The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, at New Day Music on Twitter. Thanks for letting us use your song Lion Kings as our intro this season. James, you have your latest farm futures up where you're looking at your way too early projected top 10 for prospect rankings in 2019. But before we get into that, I just want to talk a little bit about Ronald Acuna and his first few games in the big leagues. Good to see him up, and I think we both agreed that there was no chance he was leaving Great American Ballpark without that first long ball. Yeah, we were both lamenting as soon as that promotion happened that the leagues we have him in, we were not going to be able to properly take advantage of the desolation of Reds pitching pitching that was likely to ensue, and I think they should consider themselves lucky to have emerged with only just the one, the one tater. Yeah, that was... It was a really meaty pitch, as you described it on Twitter. It was, I don't know if it was like supposed to break or whatever, but it was just <laughs> up there hanging, and he deposited that boy in the upper 
super tank. Yeah, it was it was a three one pitch, and Homer Bailey just really didn't want to walk him, so he figured he would just throw him the the meatiest pitch Acuna's <laughs> seen all season, and that he did exactly what he was supposed to do with it. Yeah. Did you see the guy that uh, that caught the ball? And then yeah. he immediately grabs his backpack and sprints, sprints out of there. Like, hands up in the air. Just, I, w- <sighs> I just want to know like, if that guy was able to successfully get out of the park without having to – because, you know, like someone's first home run ball, usually they end up working out a deal where the guy oh, he, gives he it over. He did work out a deal, okay. I heard, on the broadcast. Um, yeah, I imagine he just went like straight to like the PR people and worked out a deal where he could present the ball to him. Big fanboy, but I respect <laughs> him. I mean, he yeah. was – just elated to catch that ball as he probably should be. I mean, yeah. that's a historic, historic big fly. He also had an infield single that I saw and really had no chance to throw him out. Did not see that go ahead double. Was that pretty impressive? I, I actually didn't see it either. I was at lunch, uh, left right after the, the home run. I, I saw his first to third on that hit and run the other day where he was really turning on the burners. Yeah. Um, elite speed. Yeah. I mean, there. he's, it might be a Ozzy Albies type of thing where he just starts hitting too many too many bombs for fantasy owners to really profit from that speed right away. But uh, yeah, I I think I was asked if he's just a must start in all formats right now. Uh, I have him in a twelve team draft champions uh, NFBC, and I'm going to be starting him over guys like Josh Reddick and Domingo Santana for the foreseeable future. So. Unless you're just in a ridiculously shallow league, I, one guy was lamenting starting Christian Yelich over him. You shouldn't be lamenting that. Yeah, I mean, no. you, you can still start Christian Yelich over him, but ideally, you can find some way to get him into any lineup. Yeah, when he makes contact with the ball, it's just loud and just stands out. You know, he's not like anybody else. I was able to put him in one league that I have daily roster moves. Actually, NL only. I was thrilled to get him. I have him and Albies in that league, so that was, that was nice today. Uh, and I also, you know, I've kind of been burned by the Friday through Thursday lineup periods we have in some of our staff leagues already this year, but I'm glad, you know, the timing works out pretty well where I really kind of just miss out on those two games. Right. Uh, it was pretty productive two games. Almost kind of wish I just had them in for those two, but uh, now I can just take advantage right away for the rest of the season. Yeah, and NFBC good. owners are going to be able to do the same thing, plug him into the, the weekend lineup. Uh, I have him, I think I have him in, my only two NFBC leagues, and then I have zero redraft shares anywhere else, so I'll at least be able to get them in uh, for this weekend series. Well, I think we talked about not doing this until later in the year, but do you want to start your your prediction series here and maybe try to call the <laughs> the next call-up? Because you were like on a crazy roll last year. You got like six or seven in a row. Well, you gotta, you got to give me some... Fair warning. On, yeah, no, on we this. can we can hold off till next week. It's still so early, you know. Acuna yeah. is kind of the odd case where we're not gonna, you know, that he just beating the door down. Yeah, I, w- I would have said Glaber, but he's already up. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe I, like Willie Calhoun again. This is not official, but I'll give you until next week to officially start this. I do kind of want to complain a little bit about people complaining to me about Willie Calhoun like I feel like of anyone in the industry I was probably lowest on Calhoun so if you're if you've been following my advice like you drafted him like kind of going against anything I was saying and then so people are like when's this guy gonna be up like when's he gonna be up it's like I don't I don't really care I (laughs) I don't have him on any teams I if you'd been following my advice you wouldn't have him on any teams either he's not really hitting at triple a right now uh I, I think that they they have other ways of kind of 
plugging their their injury holes right now without bringing Calhoun up if they want to bring him up uh, in early May I think that's when they get the seventh year of control but he's not really forcing the issue right now I, I don't think that they're really in a in a big hurry to call him up yeah that's so weird to call you out for that because yeah you're the low man on him it seemed like and you did say in your you know predicted call-ups piece earlier in the spring that you know because they gave him a look last year that they're that call update to gain that extra year of control would have to be pushed back right and you know i and my prediction articles i i think i said anthony santander would out earn him this year i had half of that equation right <laughs> somebody's gonna out earn him that would have been a, a big surprise but i don't think it's gonna be anthony santander yeah i was i kind of bought in on santander in deep leagues you know labor i have him still in the lineup that's that's nice my outfield is, is in bad shape right now but Still, still fighting, still hanging around. But yeah, I, well, I actually, saw you drop Santander. No, I'll, I'll actually, I'll give you a a prediction. Uh, this one's not going on a out on a huge limb or anything like that. But uh, I think we might see Michael Kopech up before yeah. his before uh, next week's podcast. He's kind of on cruise control right now at AAA. Uh, walks are always going to be a, a minor thing with him, but he hasn't walked more than two batters in any game yet. He seems to just be in complete control. So, uh, I mean, God knows it'd be pretty easy to find a spot for him in that rotation. So I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if Kopech's next start comes in the big leagues. Yeah, I think he had 10 Ks in his last start. I'm hoping I have him in labor too. I'd love to love to see him. We also got Walker Bueller and Jack Flaherty. Toe in the rubber this weekend. Did you get a, a look at Bueller? It was against the Marlins, but I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, uh, he. I mean, it's it's definitely gas, and with him, it's just going to be kind of locating that fastball early in the count so he can get to his other stuff. Uh, I really think he's going to be a, a profitable pitcher this year in in most formats. There might be some times where he's getting shuttled back and forth between AAA and the big leagues as they kind of look to monitor his innings because we've as we've talked about I don't think he gets up over 140 total innings this year but I think they would probably be wise to get as many of those in the big leagues as they can and and I think that there's there's plenty of value to be had from him the rest of the way yeah I thought he looked pretty nasty he was pretty amped up early on it did seem like this velo dropped quite a bit later in the outing like he was like 94 after sitting upper 90s even touching 100 Early on, but I do, you know, I'm not really worried about that because he was so amped up early that kind of inflated the early readings. Yeah, I think he, I, I think as that start went on, I think he realized that just locating his his stuff yeah. was going to be more useful than just really trying to light up the radar gun. Yeah, I love that kid's stuff. The two seamer, the curveball. Yeah, when he locates, I mean, the stuff just looks unhittable. But let's get into your latest Farm Futures article. Way too early, 2019 top ten and start with the big notable omission because you were tweeting about it and you ended up leaving off the list Vlad Guerrero Jr. Why was that? Yeah I mean even when I started to write the article I had him as the top guy and I was kind of writing his paragraph and I just I kept second guessing myself about whether or not he would actually still be prospect eligible. I reached out to friend of the show, Rob Silver, noted Canadian and Toronto Blue Jays fan, just to kind of get his read on the situation. I, I always feel like fans of a certain team, as long as they are able to kind of just not be 
full on fanboys and just rose colored glasses on everything. I feel like fans of teams usually have a, a pretty good gauge for how their front office is going to operate and the type of factors they're going to take into play. And Rob uh, pointed out one big factor that I actually hadn't thought of with Guerrero, and that's that Rogers Media owns the team and will actually, I mean, they, there's there's definitely a case to be made that with them owning the team, the smart move, if they're just looking at profits is to bring him up either you know from a baseball perspective to kind of help a wild card push later this season or just as a reason for fans to tune in if they decide to become sellers and trade a guy like Josh Donaldson then bringing Vlad up for you know say August through September that's gonna I mean you might even get more ratings then than you would have before uh the trade so uh yeah, I think that there's a better than 50-50 shot at this point that Vlad Jr. comes up in time to exhaust his prospect eligibility, and I think that that's really exciting. Uh, obviously, still a, a chance. I mean, all it would really take for him to not come up this year and for to make sense for him to not come up is for him to just get hurt and miss like a month or for him to cool off, but I just don't see that happening at all. He's He's arguably the best hitter right now at double a and he's by far the youngest hitter at double a so uh don't really see performance being an obstacle to him getting to the big leagues an injury might might prevent that but i think if he kind of stays on this current trajectory we probably see him in in early august yeah i think vlad jr's bat to ball skills which are really like i mean you say elite but it's really like otherworldly right now and you know among prospects and guys that coming up through the system you just don't see a kid this advanced with the hit tool early on i think he probably does get the look i tried to add him in several leagues last weekend it seemed like people were already all over this guy you know he was hardly available anywhere i went the mike soroka route thanks to your tip hopefully that pays off but i would love to have any vlad jr exposure don't have it what about you anywhere uh i have him in the only leagues I have him in are leagues with a, a keeper aspect to it. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting just kind of in terms of it, advice for people, like what if you're just in such a shallow league where it's, uh, you know, say it's a, say it's draft champion, say it's 12 teams, not that you could add a guy in that. Um, say it's like a 12 team league though, a competitive 12 team league with just normal seven man benches. Like the is, online championship. Yeah. Is, yeah. is he worth, the stash when I don't I just don't I don't see him coming up in the first half I really don't uh it's possible but if you say you know you're not getting him until August 1st is he worth the stash in a 12-team league right now that's interesting because I think in a league that's shallow and even deeper leagues this year I'm kind of leaning this way more so in recent years it's just filling your bench with those high upside guys because the waiver wire can essentially be your bench because the waiver wire is so stacked on a 12-teamer. And if you have a big injury, you you can find a guy to plug in. You don't have to have like a, a middling replacement on your bench. Yeah, and yeah, if, if it's a league, I mean, there, there's leagues with overall prizes too where I think you have to prioritize upside like that if you're mm-hmm. really gunning for that overall prize, so... Uh, it's, it's a tough call in, in certain formats. I definitely think in, in 15 teamers and deeper, 
you can probably justify like in TGFBI, there's only five bench spots. I mean, is that a league? Is that a league where you're adding him 15 teams, five bench spots? You know, I tried to in TGFBI and he was, he was gone. So yeah, I would. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I guess that that answers that. (laughs) (laughs) That was Um, disappointing. Yeah. I mean, it's, he could be, I, I don't even think this is hyperbole. I think he could be like a top 30 hitter in baseball over the final two months if he came up and obviously there's a lot of outcomes that are much lower than that I mean he I don't really see him not hitting for a high average unless he just gets some bad luck on balls in play over a small sample size like that so that's that's part of the the driving factors the the rates like the OBP the batting average are just going to be so high he's inevitably going to force his way into a a advantageous spot in that lineup um there's just a, a lot to like even if it's only two months that we get from him this year and and i think bobachette probably comes up with him i don't really see you know bobachette's not quite the generational talent that guerrero is so he could hit a bit of a rough patch you know if he if he slumps a little bit this summer maybe they don't bring him up together but i think it's i mean there's a reason why those two have gotten promoted the same time at every level it's it's they're kind of on a collision course to to go up to the big leagues together i think yeah man i just think vlad's gonna force their hand i think he's just that good but the stash game is a da- can be a dangerous one you know it's okay. a fine line i go dangerously in one direction but um i think you know if you are diligent with your fab bidding and hit it every week you know you, you can find your replacements i think maybe like a if you have a seven-man bench like a three three prospect stashes is entirely reasonable yeah and and you made a good point about the shallower leagues the waiver wire does serve as your bench i mean there's just endless amounts of high quality hitters and pitchers out there in in most 12 team leagues yeah that online championship has been crazy because there's so many guys every week that i'm like man i'm interested in this guy i gotta at least keep him honest just uh, a lot of work but a lot of fun so far how you doing your uh beat beat james anderson I think I am sixth out of 12 teams. Yeah, I was thinking I was fifth last time I checked. Um, I I really like my team, though. That's that's the league where I'm going to – I have seven outfielders that I, I – well, I have Nelson Cruz plugging up my util, and then I have seven outfielders that I, I think are all – you know, borderline top 30 fantasy outfielders. So I'm going to have to leave a, a couple of them on my bench in favor of Acuna, but that's that's the way it goes. Well, let's talk about some of the guys that you think will still be prospect eligible come next year. And we'll start with a guy that I have stashed, and that's kind of the other end of the spectrum. Um, and this guy is kind of borderline, but I may play this uh, hold of him for another week or so because I saw Eloy Jimenez had two homers just the other day. But why do you think he, he stays down? I this is really close to a 50-50 call to me. Uh I think that pectoral injury that delayed the start of his season might be might provide the cover the White Sox need to keep him down all year. Uh he's not rolling right now the same way that Vlad Jr is. I, I know he had that two homer game but um I think that he's going to get a good, you know, two months or so at double A, unless he just really gets on a tear here. And then you get to, you know, he'll, he'll get promoted to triple A and, 
you know, all it would take really is is like a two week slump at AAA, and I think that the White Sox can realistically hold him down and preserve uh, as much team control as possible by kind of pulling an Acuna on him next year. Uh, all all <laughs> I'm, I'm listing out ways that he could stay down. There are plenty of ways where he could force his way up too. I mean, the White Sox uh, are going to want want to get fans at the ballpark. It's not going to be a very exciting product in the non Kopech starts later this year. So I could see them, uh, you know, if he's forcing the issue, maybe he gets gets the call in June or July. But I'm I'm kind of going on a hunch that he maintains his prospect status into next year. But it's it's a really close call. Yeah, didn't Rick Hahn or somebody in that front office say that they really wanted to keep him down all year, like? Well, was it something along the lines of just we we really want our guys to, you know, master every level, something like that? Or yeah, maybe I thought he was talking specifically about Eloy at some point, but I may be mistaken. I mean, the, I I believe that they would like to keep him down all year. It, it's yeah. there's a obvious. I mean, their, their their window obviously isn't open right now. Their window realistically isn't going to open till like 2020 or 2021. And then I think they're hoping to have a nice fat window, you know, a four or five year run that they can make with this core. And and the more guys they have under team control deep into uh, next decade, I think the better. So I think it it definitely makes a lot of sense for them to keep them down until 2019. Another guy who's off to a relatively slow start, uh, maybe following a similar path to Eloy to the majors is Fernando Tatis Jr. Tatito. Uh, three homers, but 188, 195, 363. What do you see his trajectory looking like? I think A.J. Preller would have liked Tatis to hit the ground running at A and actually debut this year. I, I don't think the Padres would have been against that at all. But I think the slow start is kind of predictable. I don't think people should be panicking. He's a guy that skipped high A completely. He's only uh, a few months younger than, or a few months older than Vlad Jr. It's very rare when a guy does what Vlad Jr. is doing at Double A. Like people should not be panicking about Tatis just because Vlad Jr. is tearing the cover off the ball as a 19-year-old at Double A. I mean, most most 19-year-olds aren't going to be able to have much success against Double A pitching. That's what Tatis is going through right now. I think he inevitably turns things around and gets a bit more comfortable at the level, but. You know, kind of overmatched right now. Just if you look at the the strikeouts and the walks, I think it's going to be a good two or three months for him to really kind of hit his stride at that level. Then he'll he'll probably go up to AAA. But at that point, what's what's even the point of of calling him up in late August or September? Uh, I think they just keep him down, and he comes up uh, early next season. We might even get to see him in the Arizona Fall League. I could see that being a path the Padres choose to go with him, which would be great. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I'd love to get eyes on him. A guy who's on kind of the other end of the spectrum is Juan Soto, already forcing a promotion after just 16 games. He's already homered at his new level at high A. He's bringing his total to six. Uh, as many strikeouts as walks so far this year. You have him 13, but you see him jumping up to third, possibly by by this time next year. I mean, what is what are the flaws, if any, in this kid's skill set? Uh, none really. I mean, he, he's, he's a hell of a hitter, uh, but it's just it's, speed too. A little bit. Yeah. He's, he's not a guy that I see being 
you know, I think there might be some years early in his career where he's like a 12 or 15 steal guy, but eventually it's going to be kind of all batting average and power with him. He just, he's too far away in the nationals. I mean, we, by the time that Soto is forcing a promotion to, to like double A AA or triple A, Victor Robles is going to be healthy. Uh, they, there's just no reason why he would be up this year. The, I have him. I was getting into a, a debate with someone on Twitter about like I had him as the 13th ranked prospect, and he was saying like everyone says he's going to finish the year in the top 10. Like, shouldn't he be in the top 10 right now? It's like, well, no, because there are 12 guys I think are better than him, and the reason he's going to finish the year in the top 10 is because 10 of those guys I have projected to graduate. So mm-hmm. uh, he'll just move up as others move out. I mean, there's a case to have him ahead of Kyle Tucker. There's a case to have him ahead of Scott Kingery and Forrest Whitley, even Flavor Torres, if you want to get go really out there. But I, I think that we should be a little bit more realistic with Juan Soto. He's he's a lot more similar to a guy like Eloy Jimenez than Ronald Acuna to me. Where just the skill set, it's it's going to be very batting average and power oriented, uh, but we shouldn't expect every guy that's this talented to do what Acuna did last year where he, he jumped three levels. I mean, that was just one of those crazy things that I just don't think we we're going to see more than once or twice a decade. Yeah. Royce Lewis, number four on the list. And I find with Royce Lewis, it's just hard to get a grasp on what this guy's long-term power might look like. He's only 18 right now. Uh, one homer so far this year and 44 plate appearances, but the hit tool is really good, and with a guy like this who still hasn't physically matured all the way and hasn't gotten to the majors and got to enjoy the new baseball, it's just hard to get a read on the power. What do you think it looks like in his peak? I think he could be a 25 to 30 homer guy in his peak. I, I've compared the I've compared him to Mookie Betts a lot just in terms of what I think the, the future production is going to look like, power, speed, batting average. I think it's all going to be very similar to what you get from Mookie Betts. Uh, you might even get more steals from Royce Lewis early on. Maybe uh, the power doesn't come along quite as quickly as it did for Betts. But, I mean, this guy had arguably the, the fastest bat in last year's draft class. He's got the size. I mean, if you combine that bat speed with a 6-2 frame, uh, I think it's going to be pretty safe to expect 20-plus homers in his peak season. And does he stick it short? That's the. I mean, That's probably the one question I have about his profile. I think everything else is pretty self-explanatory, but uh, there's a chance he ends up in center field or, or at second base. Uh, obviously, I don't, I don't think he ends up in center field with Byron Buxton there, uh, but you know, maybe there's a chance that he starts at shortstop, Buxton leaves as a free agent, and they transition him to center field. Uh, maybe he starts at second base if they have an established shortstop but I, I'm looking at the organizational depth chart, and I don't really see any reason why he wouldn't debut it short. Next up, number five, Taylor Trammell, and I'm doing the Birdman hand rub right now because <laughs> I, I need some excitement after this like 5-19 and 19 start for the Reds. Uh, really exciting profile with him, and already has three homers this year and just uh, 50, uh, sorry, 82 plate appearances, had 13 last year. He only has two steals, but... 41 the year before really love this kid's all-around game and the hit tool is is maybe the the question mark but do you actually maybe not really have many questions about that 
No, I mean, not, not to this point. I mean, he's shown better patience this year than he did at low A. He's striking out less, uh, got the strikeout rate under 20%, which is where you like to see it. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really see any flaws in Trammell's game. He's kind of the prototypical five category guy for fantasy where I think there's going to be some 2020 years, maybe some 25, 25 years. Like it's, it's pretty exciting all around and I'm loving how patient he's been because that, that just kind of signals to me that he could be their leadoff hitter from day one. Yeah, that's really exciting. By the way, Senzel, I can't get a read on, on when he's coming up. Um, heard Dick Williams talking on the broadcast. It was pretty coy, you know, didn't give much, but uh, I'm still holding out hope that we'll see Senzel in like next month. I know Suarez just came back, but uh, who would Peraza is not just not <laughs> cut? Wait, are you not a Peraza guy? Oh, you. You heard, man? <laughs> I don't know. He he had a couple good games there for a while, and then he's gone ice cold. I loved uh, Shrim Riggleman batting Billy and uh, Peraza 1-2. Oh, hey. I mean, that's where you put your fast guys, right? <laughs> put yep. them, put them up if at the top. fast, you got to lead hey, out. Hey, get on, get on base. Table setter. Uh, Winker <laughs> on the bench again for like the second time in like three days. Um, <laughs> crazy. Hey, you guys, you guys found the right guy for the job. Um would you would you rather would you rather have Nick Senzel or Vlad Jr. in a redraft league right now? Oh boy, boy, oh boy. Because um, I think lean Vlad. I mean, that's Honestly, a legit yeah. decision. I'm sure some yeah. people have on on the table. Where you, I mean, you can't stash everybody. You might have to kind of choose between who you want to stash there. Yeah, man, that's tough. I do imagine we'll see Senzel, but. And, and you know before Vlad, but I don't know if it's a lock. And I, I think Vlad will be better on a you know, per game basis. So maybe I'll go Vlad. Yeah, I left Senzel. Like he was one of the notable omissions in this article. I am predicting that he will exhaust his prospect status, but I don't think anyone should be out there assuming it's a absolute lock. He gets the call this year. Uh, we saw. Yeah. I mean, Jesse Winker spent like almost two full seasons at AAA. Uh, different players, obviously. Senzel's more talented. Uh, but it might get to a point this season, like in, if Senzel's hitting, like if he's just like a league average hitter at AAA come the All-Star break, which is possible, uh, maybe it just takes him a, a bit longer. I mean, he got off to a slow start at AA, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, too. I don't know why you would just really force it and call him up in like late July or early August just to call him up. If if he's not really forcing the issue, there's nothing wrong with just using that as a free excuse to get that, that full amount of control out of him. Yeah. I saw some comments from Riggleman the other day and there's just nothing comments basically just saying, now oh, we'll leave it up to our evaluators and they'll deem him ready because a need at the big league level probably isn't going to uh, force it. They're saying we'll see. Uh, but a quick note, fantasy baseball fans, the season is underway, and with baseball season comes FanDuel, offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy baseball no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel, the excitement of fantasy baseball without the full season grind, something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from, starting at just 25 cents. Pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. How did you do in the free roll this week, James? I didn't do great. I had Kershaw, and that just wasn't going to cut it. 
Yeah, I had him too. Finished like bottom five for I think the second straight week. Nice, that was fun. I, what I was, was able up to with get that? six walks against the Marlins. Yeah, I mean, I just I looked at the other pitchers and it mathematically, I didn't think there was a great case to not going Kershaw, so I went with him and tried to fill in around him. And I think I had Corey Seager too, and I believe he got me a goose egg. Jeez, well, you can compete us compete against us in future weeks. We still have qualifiers for the Roadwire Baseball Championship on May 2nd, May 16th, May 30th, and June 13th. Go to fanduel.com slash rotowire dash championship dash MLB. I think there's actually a shorter link, but I can't find it in my email right now, so you'll just have to go there. Play against your friends for bragging rights or play against the public for millions in cash prizes. Let's take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at fandle.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription, which will help give you all the tools you need to be successful with your first deposit on Fandle. Just visit fandle.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. James will continue down your Farm Futures article. Uh, Brendan Rogers. I know you're lower on him than most, and uh, it's, I mean, just flat out sounds like you're not expecting him to get a look at all this season. No, I, I just don't. He's a guy where you can completely justify leaving him in the minors all year for baseball reasons. He's got stuff he's got to work on. That's not a secret. He, I'm encouraged by what he's doing against righties, but it's just a tiny sample size so far this year. Uh, he's still not walking, which is not a deal breaker to me. Like You can be a, a heck of a fantasy option without being a huge on-base guy, but that's definitely something he can work at in the upper levels of the minors. Uh, the Rockies also just don't really have anywhere for him to play right now. Um, I mean, they could hardly find uh, bats for McMahon or Dahl right, right now. And so I, I, think, just, I do think Dahl sticks up though. I think so too. I think so too. Um, as long as he's, as long as he's healthy, I think Dahl's going to be fine in terms of playing time going forward. But, uh, yeah, I think Rogers isn't really going to force the issue this year, but, even like while I while I kind of choose to see some of the flaws in his game, when you're talking about a Colorado Rockies middle infielder who is going to be knocking on the door of the big leagues this time next year, it's going to be impossible to keep him out of the top 10 as long as he just kind of does what I expect him to do the rest of the year. So uh, I'm sure some people will have him ranked higher than me next year, but uh, hard to imagine him not being worthy of a top 10 spot. Number seven on your list, Jorge Mateo. And the first thing you say here is, excuse me, buy low alert. Uh, why are you not making much of his uh, slow start? Because he just, he's a, he's a weird guy. He, uh, he'll go on super cold stretches. He's, he's done it throughout his tenure in pro ball. He's, he's on one of those cold stretches right now. It's his first exposure to AAA pitching after, I think he logged over over a full season at Double A before heading to Triple A, and I just think it's going to take him some time to get used to the pitching at this level. Uh, but when he does, I think that everyone's going to remember that this is a guy with legitimate fifty steal upside, and he's going to be he's going to have a full year at Triple A under his belt in the off season. And I just don't know how you're going to be able to keep a guy like that out of the top ten when. He could steal 40 bases next year, even if he doesn't get called up till May. So that that's a pretty easy one for me. I I didn't 
understand why some people on Twitter thought I was joking by including him in my preemptive top 10. I mean, there's just, you can count the guys in pro ball on one hand who have as much stolen base upside as Jorge Mateo. Yeah, absolutely. Number eight on your way to early 2019 top 10, Luis Robert. You're saying you're taking a wait and see approach. Uh, so do you think there's maybe like a wide range of possible outcomes for where he could end up on next year's list? Yeah, he could be number one on the list. He could be number like 30 on the list. Like it, it's, it just depends how much he hits this year. Uh, I think that he certainly could hit the ground running at high A once he's healthy. Uh, but he could also go through a bit of a, you know, some struggles in terms of contact. Uh, batting average might end up not being as high as some people think it's going to be. I have no questions about the power on the speed. Uh, the power is, you know, he, he was reportedly right there with Eli Jimenez in terms of how impressive his batting practice home runs were earlier this year when, when those guys were uh, hitting BP together. And the speed is at, is at least 60 grade. So that's that's all great. I mean, we'd, we'd love to see it when a guy's got 60 power, 60 speed. I just have – I'm not sure whether it's a 45-hit tool or a 50-hit tool or, you know, if it's a 55-hit tool, then maybe he's a top three prospect in baseball uh, this time next year. But it's just I'm going to wait and see how he does against more advanced pitching. You can throw out everything he did in the Dominican Summer League last year. It just was kind of a – tune-up for him to knock some rust off he was way more advanced than any of those players so i'm interested to see what he does at high a but i'm not going to move him into my top 20 or my top 15 until he starts proving some stuff with the bat well we talked about one guy who's already forced a promotion this season another one number nine on the list jesus lazardo didn't really miss a beat in his first step either with double a midland uh, and i, I kind of like this rock hounds logo it could be <laughs> in the mix for a milb hat purchase some point, but yeah, five Ks, just one walk over five innings. He's been really like since draft season, one of the biggest risers of anybody that I've seen on your list. What makes you so excited about Jesus Lazardo? Just how the combination of his advanced pitchability, command, and how high end all the offerings are. I don't even know if he has a pitch that's not a plus pitch right now, and lefties that can pump mid nineties heat and show you a double plus changeup typically tend to have success. I think that he will, you know, really get into a groove here at double a probably finishes the year at triple a and then we'll enter next year with him being a, a very popular stash oh, uh, yeah. coming out of the draft season we'll and have to fight you on that stuff. Yeah. It's going to be a race to the stash and, uh, I mean, like he he might be kind of in stake league. I could see us having a similar bid off, uh, or was that I forget which league we were ha- we had a Franchi bid off in. But oh yeah, Steph too. We also had an Acuna bid off in stake. Yeah, we had an Acuna bid off in stake. Um, I won I, both of those stash. stash <laughs> yeah, but I got Franchi in stake. Dare try to take away <laughs> one of my stash. <laughs> it's hard to beat you in a stash off, but uh, you did get Franchi with that first reserve pick and stake, and that that just broke my heart. I, everyone else in that league should be ashamed that he yeah, was okay. there for me in that that reserve draft. But, anyways, with Lazardo, he's just he's the highest ranked pitcher I have who I don't expect or who I expect to still have his prospect eligibility intact next year. Someone was asking in the comments, uh, or they were they were 
blown away. I think they said just wow, just wow on me not having Sixto Sanchez in the top 10. I have Jesus Lazardo ranked ahead of Sixto Sanchez, so it would stand to reason that yeah. unless I think Jesus Lazardo's uh, going to lose his prospect eligibility, he'll be ranked ahead of Sixto Sanchez. He's at double A. Sanchez is still at high A. I don't think there's a big difference in terms of their upside. One's a lefty, one's a righty. Uh, Jesus Lazardo's got a better frame than, or, I mean, Sixto Sanchez isn't a slight guy, but he's, he's still just barely six feet. Uh, if if he's six feet at all, uh, there's plenty of reasons why I like Lazardo more than Sanchez, and it's it's pretty rare that I rank a pitcher in my top ten. I ranked Otani and Force Whitley in it this year. Otani's kind of a special case; he's not your typical pitching prospect, obviously. Prior to that, I think I you know I had Syndergaard as a top ten prospect a few years ago. I had I think I might have had Lucas Giolito there for a minute, but I, it's it's very rare that I put a guy there. So to not have a guy like Sixto Sanchez in there isn't meant to be a slide at him. And it's more just kind of me praising Jesus Lazardo's upside and proximity this time next year. Now you got my stash senses on high alert, <laughs> sniffing around <laughs> like a drug dog with the stashes, but uh, any outside chance we see Lazardo in the majors in September? It's possible. I, I don't know what they're going to do with him in terms of innings this year. I kind of just have a sense that by the time he would get to the point where that would be a reality, he's going to be close to his innings cap. And they'll probably, I mean, they're doing pretty well right now, but I don't expect them to be in it at the end. Yeah. I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't sh- shock me if he was just somehow came up in like July. Like uh, that wouldn't surprise me just because of how advanced he is. Like he can get big league hitters out right now. It's just a question of how much the A's player development staff wants to kind of fine tune things in the minors. I mean, it's, it's, it can be dangerous to just really, really rush a guy because, uh, you can, you, you want to be careful not to skip developmental steps along the way. Cause it's tough to kind of go back and make up for that. If you end up rushing a guy a little too early. Uh, so I, I think that they would be wise to just kind of let him dominate in the upper levels this year, call him up early next year, but I, I wouldn't rule anything out. By the way, did you get Manaya anywhere this year? Because I did not, and I've got no. some FOMO going. No, I, I'm I'm all FOMO'd up right there with you. I mean, he looked obviously looked awesome in that no no against the Red Sox of all teams. But then I'm not gonna like go out and no. give like a top seventy five hitter to get this guy. No, I I think that that's a perfect example of how sort of funky pitching development can be like you the whole time Manaya was coming up as, as a prospect like number two upside was pretty evident and then he doesn't really show it that consistently in his first whatever like 30 35 big league starts but then something just clicks for him and yeah I mean that 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 happens all the time where people kind of write a guy off and then he figures it out I didn't write Manaya off there were just guys in that range I liked more and can't even remember which guys those were I hope that they're doing well for me but yeah definitely a lot of FOMO with with Mania. yeah I mean the Snells you, and Clevengers are looking good but you and I will probably try to make up for it for missing out on him this year we'll draft him too early next year he'll get hurt it'll be it'll be great yeah that'll be fun uh Jordan Alvarez is somebody that you've you've been the loud man on him like I haven't really heard him Talked about a lot outside of you know your tweets and your articles, but he's off to a really nice start at Corpus Christi. 
four homers. He also has five stolen bases, uh, 11 walks against 14 Ks. What makes him different from some of these other Astros prospects who haven't really necessarily lived up to the billing so far? Uh, plate discipline is probably the, I mean, are you kind of talking about about Derek Fisher? Yeah, the Fishers and the A.J. Reed. A.J. Reed, yeah. Uh, Obviously, the guys who have been established, former top prospects, are doing just fine. Right. Uh, You know, with A.J. Reed, I think he's just one of those quad A guys where you just don't really know until you know, and when you know, it's too late. And uh, sometimes that'll happen, and that's part of the reason why I'm I'm a little scared off by like the Brent Rookers of the world that just are dominant college hitters and then come in and maybe feast on some lower level pitching, feast on some advantageous hitting conditions and then get to the big league and and they're overmatched. Uh, But with, with Alvarez, you know, he's a guy that's, it's always been young for his level. He's got athleticism, plate discipline, a really unique all fields approach for a, a power hitter like he is. And I just think that all those characteristics are going to serve him really well up the ladder. Uh, he's another guy where I think when we're, when I'm putting my rankings together in the off season, he's going to be maybe a, a handful of weeks away from reaching the big leagues entering the year. So proximity plays a pretty big role in where where these guys end up getting ranked i think he's going to be really close to the majors next year he's capable of playing first base and left field i think early on he's going to be a threat on the bases uh just a a really unique hitter for a guy his size nice well while we're on the topic one of your notable omissions kyle tucker i think he makes for a pretty decent stash too of course i'm blinded by the stash craze but uh one of our colleagues in the office was asking me about him and it's just like yeah i mean i could could see maybe putting him away in a deeper league. Uh, what do you make of, of what Fisher's doing so far? Or, I'm sorry, Tucker. I You know, if he was just raking at AAA, he might already be up. Uh, he could be a pretty obvious upgrade in June or July. I just don't think it's going to happen before then. And, you know, one of those guys that's slumping right now who we expect him to replace eventually could heat up too. So there's a lot of factors at play with Tucker. I think, you know, I, I think Austin Riley might be just as good a stash as Kyle Tucker. I could see Austin Riley even beating him to the big leagues just because I think there's going to be a more obvious hole for him uh, at third base in Atlanta once this Jose Bautista thing uh, crashes and burns. Yeah, Riley's off to an insane start, 352, 410. 718 slug, four homers, 15 RBI. Yeah, man, we we got a glimpse of him in the fall league. Looked really good, but the the Batista thing just baffles me. I mean, how long is that experiment? How long could they get away with even <laughs> trying that? I mean, it's you know the Alex Anthopoulos connection is I assume what's driving it, and there's probably some you know get this guy in the clubhouse and he'll his intangibles will maybe wear off on guys like Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies, that type of thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's ludicrous to me to think that he could play even a comp, a semi-competent third base, let alone do much damage with the bat. I mean, I, I could be wrong. I mean, crazier things have happened. Uh, 
Like I remember when Daryl Strawberry came out of independent ball and was like a serviceable guy for the Yankees. Like, I mean, that crazy stuff can happen with baseball. It, it's, yeah. it's a funky sport, but I would bet heavily against this Jose Bautista thing being anything more than like a five or six week experiment. Another guy who's hot right now is Willie Adamas. Really good numbers, and he's really kind of exploded in recent weeks. Um, I don't know how how they're justifying keeping him down, but I think he probably forces the issue pretty soon. Yeah, it, like Jason Collette said uh, earlier this offseason, when I, I was like, yeah, Adamas and Bowers will probably be up once they've gained a second-year control. He's like, yeah, or another-year control. And he's like, yeah, but it's the Rays, so they'll be down until after the, ju- the Super 2 deadline's pass. Exactly. And that will be early June. I, I definitely think he's up in June, If he, especially if he keeps this up. He's really kind of coming into his own before our eyes at AAA. That's another stash that I would approve of. Nice. Well, we really appreciate the inside great stuff as always, James. Be sure to check out all of James's work at rotowire.com, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial. Uh, no credit card required. James, we are on to, what, number 17? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah. And I gave you a bunch of crap last week about having a Diddy song. You also were getting some flack on Twitter for stinking up that right, playlist. Rightfully so. <laughs> but turns out Diddy's in in my pick this week. No way. But he actually, thankfully, doesn't have a verse. <clears throat> He's just doing his typical hype man BS. Wow, I'm, I'm, I, I my mouth is hanging wide open. I. This is this is probably the shock of the day. Yeah, of course he had to get in on this with all the talent in the song. Uh, Craig Mack's Flavin' Year remix. Oh, nice. Uh, with Rampage, LL Cool J, Biggie. Love this song. Classic jam. It does have Puff kind of hogging the, hogging the inner parts, you know, between pauses to kind of shout himself out, try to get himself over. But, man, this song and Biggie's verse... Getting more butt than ashtrays, just kicking it off. And I love the beat, classic jam. You know, it's hard to believe it's, it's as old as it is at this point, but this is one of the first remixes that I can remember really loving. Yeah, this was kind of a put, I think it kind of put Bad Boy on the map yeah. back in the day. And that obviously they went on to kind of run the, the latter half of that decade in a lot of ways. And Craig Mack didn't have much else to offer other than that track but um he really didn't <laughs> it was a uh it was a popping track that's for sure you know and i was never a big busta guy or l cool j guy but i thought they both brought it here and uh probably some of their best features ever yeah i definitely was never a big l cool j guy i've got a i've got a soft spot for for Busta some Buzz? different eras of busta bust uh He's kind of gone up and down for me. Um, yeah. But, yeah, his his kind of early, mid-'90s features were always pretty solid, in my opinion. So I, I definitely get it. Yeah, so I had to go with Craig Max Flavor in your remix. What do you got, James? All right, well, this one we can kind of keep short and sweet. I have skewed on the Barbie. Nice. So oh, wait, were... did I already have that? No, I had that. Oh, you, yeah, you yeah, already had that. I had that, that 20. Yeah, so I, I've skewed on the Barbie Outcast featuring Raekwon off of Equemini. Uh We we talked about that plenty on uh, was that four episodes ago. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm still you know I have a 
a list pretty well set, but I'm still scouring through like old, my old CD collection because I feel like I'm missing missing something. I I kind of have that too, where like I feel like as soon as we're done, I'm gonna hear a song that I hadn't heard in a couple of years and be like, oh shit, like I should have yeah. should have had that on there. I for had sure. that with like oh no, I was like oh I gotta I'm gonna find the spot for that for sure. Nice. Well, yeah. By I mean, the way, that, I want to get. We should have this playlist like as our XM interludes. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that'd be nice. I mean, sometimes... I don't know how much pull we have. <laughs> as as I'm learning, uh, we might have literally zero pull. Yeah, I guess we have zero pull. <laughs> That's fine. That's I would fine. love to That's hear fine. like, oh no, coming back from a break. By the way, you and I are on tomorrow for two hours, uh, 11 to 1 central, so maybe check that out. Thankfully, we will be spared, you and I will be spared talking football, but I will have to talk some with Mario to start the... Start the show. Yeah, I'm I'm a big enough diva around here where when I found out football needed to be talked, I insisted on getting a fill in co host. I mean that's that's just the way that's I roll. That's not true. I <laughs> offered to do it. I'd, thankfully, uh, you know, Mario knows his, his draft stuff pretty well, so I'll just tee up questions. I know I know zero. And I'm not gonna watch the draft tonight out of principle. <laughs> I'm I, watching baseball. I'm watching I'm going to a, a sports bar after work that has a lot of TVs so I can watch the Bucks playoff game and the Brewers Cubs game and I'm sure that draft will be on uh TV or two so if we if we're forced to do like 5 minutes on football tomorrow I'll at least have some idea who went where but uh god knows nobody wants to hear that yeah I'll spare you those takes for the most part tomorrow but thanks for listening to the Roadwire Prospect podcast brought to you by FanDuel talk to you guys next week Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.